0: Good morning, church. I uh, hope you're doing good. Man, it's been so good this morning. Uh, In case you don't know me, my name is Tyler Stevenson. I am the worship pastor. Um, I'm not the worship Tyler. I'm the the worship pastor uh, here at High Point Church. And uh, I'm so grateful for this opportunity this morning for a couple of reasons. One is that it's not often enough that I get to sit under uh, other other uh, brothers and sisters leading in worship, and I'm so grateful for that. And I just want to say thank you to uh, Christian, and uh, Avery, Jalen, the whole team. Uh, that was beautiful. Thank you so much. Um, I'm excited this morning to be able to jump into God's word. This is definitely a little bit of a different hat for me. So whenever I was asked to, uh, you know, if I wanted to teach during the Psalm series this summer, I was like, Yeah, that sounds terrifying. Let's do that. But then I thought, you know, I mean. This is my first time to teach, technically, on a Sunday morning, but if you add up all of my facilitations over a month, it's probably about an hour. So, some of you know. Um, but uh, it's, it's really exciting to be here this morning with you. Last week, Pastor Will and Pastor Parker opened up uh, a series from two years ago that we had uh, over the summer in the book of Psalms, and they looked at Psalms 1. And the understanding that we, that we gain from Psalms 1 is that if we understand Psalms 1, we'll understand all of the Psalms. And uh, the point of it is that if we root our lives in the word of God and understanding him in his word, his holy word, we are like a tree that's planted by streams of living water. That no matter what the season of life, they will come and go. Storms will come, but you will be rooted in a source that's deeper than your circumstances. And this morning we're going to jump into uh, Psalm 103, way over in the middle of Psalms. But before we do that, I want to give us a quick overview, brief overview. If you're unfamiliar with the Psalms, uh, the Psalms is just a collection of 150 different ancient Hebrew songs, poems, and prayers uh, that were written by multiple authors over hundreds of years. And uh, the Hebrew people they saw this book not so much as a hymn book. To write songs from even though they did use it in that way as well but this was a prayer book it taught them what to pray in the new testament the disciples asked jesus after watching jesus pray a lot um, they asked him lord teach us how to pray and then he did that with the lord's prayer our father who art in heaven hallowed be your name and is if if that prayer teaches us how to pray we can still glean from Psalms the same on teaching us what to pray because the Psalms give us words for different seasons of life. And so that's why the book of Psalms is important for us. It's quoted over a hundred times in the New Testament. The New Testament writers thought that it was still important for us, for them to read the Psalms. And so I think it's important for us as well to read the Psalms. So that's what we're gonna do this morning. So if you have your Bibles, would you turn to Psalm 103, 103? And then once you get there, if you would, Uh, In honor of God and his word, would you stand for the reading of God's word? It says this, David writes, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Who forgives all your iniquity, who heals all your diseases, The Lord has established his throne in the heavens, and his kingdom rules over all. Bless the Lord, O you, his angels, you mighty ones who do his work, obeying the voice of his word. Bless the Lord, all his hosts, his ministers who do his will. Bless the Lord, all his works in all places of his dominion. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I ask now by your power and your strength, that you would come and speak to us through your word. Your word is living and active. It's sharper than any two-edged, two-edged sword and it pierces our bone and marrow. It shows us what is true. It shows us who you are. Would you open our eyes? God, I, my need is great this morning, but in my need, your power is displayed. We are poor and you are rich. Would you pour out your love to us through your word now? I pray that even as I preach, I know that I will say things that, that would condemn me. I am a hypocrite, Lord. I pray that hypocrites be healed this morning by the power of your gospel, the grace of Jesus Christ for us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. Y'all can grab a seat. So, I picked out Psalm 103 a couple of months ago thinking, yeah, that's one of my favorite psalms. That should be easy enough. And then I found this quote last week from Charles Spurgeon and I was like, yeah, that's right. Uh, it says this, doubtless by David. So this is clearly a psalm by David. It's in his own style when it's at its best. He considered it. It's like one of his best songs that he ever wrote. And we should attribute it probably to his, I'm ad-libbing a little here, sorry. Uh, we should attribute it to his later years. When he had a higher sense of the preciousness of pardon because of a keener sense of sin than in his younger days. How many of you know that's true? His clear sense of the frailty of life indicates his weaker years as also does the very feigness. That word feigness is just eagerness. His eagerness of his praiseful attitude. And then he goes on to say this. There is too much in the Psalm, Psalm 103, for a thousand pins to write, it is one of those all comprehending scriptures, which is a Bible in itself. And it might alone almost suffice for the hymn book of the church. That's Charles Spurgeon. Okay. I didn't say it. He did. Uh, and if, if, if it's uh, good enough for Charles Spurgeon to look into that a thousand pins could write about this, I think we could at least take 35 minutes. Is that cool? Can we do that? We're going to look at uh, this psalm under two headings this morning in proper Franco fashion. Um, The first is what to remember, what to remember. And our second heading will be how to return. Um, Does anybody, do, do any of you guys... Use uh, those Apple AirTags on your keys or anything like that. Show of hands real quick. They're awesome, aren't they? They're so good. I've needed those my whole life. (laughs) Um, But recently I upgraded from Tile, which did a good job to these Apple AirTags, and I appreciate them a little bit more because I don't have to pay for the feature that it tells me when I leave something behind, right? That's pretty awesome. So that Apple AirTag is brilliant because what it does is it's constantly able to remind me of what not to forget. And so I put them on things that are really important to me. But there's even a better feature, I think. It's that when I forget something, it actually shows me how to get back to it. It shows me how to return to what I've forgotten. And that's why we're going to look at these two headings this morning. Is because I believe that Psalm 103 does that for us. Okay? Can we do that? So David, think about it like this. David, this is, as uh, Pastor Drew McCullough was talking me through it this week, he was like, it's kind of like granddad David. He's, he's writing to us from his old age. What does he want to tell us? Okay, he had written uh, the majority of the Psalms. He'd written like 73 Psalms, all of them ranging from a, a, a whole host of different themes. The first half of the Psalms, in case you're listening or, or maybe you're reading through it, you'll notice that the first half of the Psalms, the two themes that are all throughout the Psalms, the 150 that we have, they start off really somber in this lament, this, God, the, the world is broken. God, why don't you make things right? And there's a little bit of praise at the, each one of those. It's like, but I will hope in God, okay? But then as you move across the Psalms, if you were to read all the way through them, you'll actually see that it actually ramps down on, it actually kind of like chills on the lament and it ramps up the praise by the end, okay? So that's kind of the, the structure and it's, it's shaped that way because that's redemption. That's our life. And uh, so it's calling us to do that. So this is not, the, the interesting thing about this psalm is that this is not his typical way of starting a psalm, okay? And I'll explain. See, most of the time, he will start a psalm directly to the Lord. This is a prayer directly to the Lord, okay? Oh God, how majestic is your name in all the earth, okay? He's talking right to God. The other His other style is that he'll actually address the church because he was a songwriter. He was the king of Israel. And so he he often would try to stir up the church and remind the church, remind the people of God, the Israelites, of God's work, who he is, and call them into a remembrance and then a praising of God. So those are the two normal audiences. It's either the people or it's God. But in this instance, and a couple others, only a couple other times he does this in the psalm, he starts off talking to himself. And that's, I think that that's got to be important for us. You would think that of all the people that would have it down pat by the end of his life, that all of his life, every fiber of his being would just get to the point where he's kind of leveled up and he just blesses the Lord whenever he wakes out of bed before coffee in the morning. Um, but he doesn't. I know I don't. And so I think that we can at least take comfort in this, that what he does in, in the very first two verses is he actually calls us to do something More than just speaking with our mouth and more than just remembering with our head, although we need to do that, he's speaking to his most, his inmost being. The word soul there is the idea of the very heart of who you are. He's speaking to his personality, all of his feelings, all of his emotions, who he is deep down, okay? That's who who he's talking to. And he says this, let's look at verse one and two. It says, bless the Lord, O my soul. Now let's stop. What does bless mean? In case you hadn't been in church, maybe you have and you've heard that word, but maybe you don't know really what that word even means. In, I think it's Psalm 34, he says, uh, that I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise will ever be in my mouth. So if we have a definition, blessing the Lord is a lot like declaring the greatness and the goodness of God. To bless the Lord is to declare with your mouth the greatness and goodness of God. So he's doing that with his mouth, but he realizes that his heart is lagging behind, okay? I don't know if it's, gone, it's like asleep or, um, or, or what, but, but he knows that not all of himself is, is blessing the Lord. So he says, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. The first thing that, that he wants us to remember is that God is holy. We just sang about it. Holy, 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 Lord God almighty you'll find me singing worthy, worthy is the lamb. We'll see. And then in verse two, he says this, he says, bless the Lord, O my soul. He says it again. He, re- he repeats himself because he's still not awake yet. His, his soul still isn't blessing the Lord. He's, he's saying, hey soul, come on soul. My mouth is blessing the Lord. Are you going to bless the Lord? Are you going to wake up this morning? Or are you going to just stay where you are? Are you going to stay in your fear? Are you going to stay aware of your own insecurities? Are you going to be aware of the fact that you're not worthy of this? So you're just going to sit back. Or maybe you're just going to be cold and you've forgotten who he is. Remember, he's holy. Remember, soul. Deep down, not just my words. Don't make me a hypocrite, soul. Come on, bless the Lord with me. That's what he's doing here. And then he says, forget not all his benefits. So the two things that he doesn't want us to forget is that God is holy And then not to forget all of his benefits, meaning like, what has God even done? Like, who is God and what has he done? Uh, Me and my wife, Gracie, we have three kids. We have uh, our oldest daughter is Olivia. She's seven. Our uh, middle child, our daughter, Nora Claire, is five. And then we have a 15, 16-month-old, I forget how old he is, but uh, our son, Roman, (laughs) And, uh, and Roman's got these little toys, uh, this little toy set that he got for his birthday whenever he turned one that has these little cars. Okay. You know, these little toy cars and it looks a little bit like the Michelin man designed them. They're kind of like, you know, weird and foamy. Um, but anyways, there's, there's a couple of them and one of them is like an ambulance. Okay. looks kind of like an ambulance. There's a police car. There's an ice cream truck. Uh, there's a, um, what else is there, babe? Doesn't matter. Anyways, there's one that, uh, I, I take issue with. It's shaped like a car. It has four wheels. Okay. It also has a smiling face on the front windshield. Anyways, on top of the car, it has a propeller. Now, what's that called? A helicopter. Yeah, you're right. Uh, Written along the side and the front and the back of this toy, it says plane. And that's, that's just wrong. And I take, so... So... Yeah. So I, and so I tell you that, to tell you this, like, if we don't know, clearly the person that wrote that doesn't exactly know what a plane is, or maybe they don't know what a helicopter looks like, but either way, I'm not. Okay. Uh, we can't do that with God. Okay. If we're going to remember who he is, we should probably get a good idea, a better idea of who he is than maybe what's in our head. Because I can tell you right now, most often we paint a picture of God in our own image. Rather than acknowledging that we've been made in His image, okay, we are a far cry, a shadow of what He is. How great He is! Because He's holy, He's not like us. So we, so what better way to figure out who God is and what He's like than to hear Him say it Himself? So this is what this is what uh, David does um, after verse six and seven. As just like a setup, he says, "The Lord works righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed." This is who he is and what what he does at his heart. And then he says, he made known his ways to Moses and his acts to the people of Israel. Just those two sentences for the normal Israelite would have told the entire Exodus story again in their mind. They would have like had a snapshot. They would have remembered. They would have known exactly what he's talking about. But in case you don't know, if you flip back to Exodus 34, this is whenever God had already made his promise to Abraham he had been faithful to Abraham to make him a father of many nations. He multiplies. They you have Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Okay, then Jacob has many sons, the 12 sons. Um, and one of them is Joseph. Joseph gets enslaved in Egypt. Okay, the Lord has his hand on Joseph and brings him into, into a place of authority. And he actually... Uh, while he's in power in Egypt, he saves God's people from starvation, okay? Because he was wise and the Lord gave him wisdom on how to prepare for famines. And so then his brothers end up moving down to Egypt and there's this beautiful redemption story. You remember like, uh, you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good because God is sovereign, okay? And so that's why the Israelites are in Egypt. But then they become enslaved. It says that the Pharaoh after that didn't know Joseph, and so he did not honor God and he did not honor God's people. He enslaved them for 400 years. And then God, through Moses, delivers his people from the bondage of slavery. He brings them out. He makes them a promise that he would be their God and, and they would be his people. Okay, And they're at Mount Sinai getting the 10 commandments. He's saying, okay, here's how you need to live now to be in covenant with me. This is what it's going to look like. He gives them, he gives Moses the first set of 10 commandments. He goes off the mountain. The people are already worshiping an idol. Okay. They made this golden calf. And, and so Moses in his anger, obviously is like, what in the world? He smashes the 10 commandments. I don't know why he did that, but he did. And then God's like, okay, after he handles that, he says, I'm going to make a new set for you. I want you to make these tablets, meet me on the mountain, I'll write them again. And so that's where we pick up in in Exodus 34. God is going to give them the Ten Commandments again. Now keep in mind, this is right after their idolatry and their disobedience. And this is what happens. The Lord descended in the cloud and he stood with them there and proclaimed the name of the Lord. The Lord passed before him, Moses, and proclaimed, Yahweh, Yahweh, the Lord, the Lord. A a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast steadfast love and faithfulness. Keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression of sin, but who will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquities of the fathers on the children and the children's children to the third and fourth generation? And Moses quickly bowed his head towards the earth and worshiped. Now Moses knew what God had done. He had already seen God deliver them from Egypt. But this was something new of all the things God could have said. He says that he is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. He was showing Moses his heart, the heart of God, not just who what he has done, but who he is. This is the, kind, the the kind of God that he is. This is who our God is. And so David in Psalm 103, he remembers that that story and he recounts that verse. That verse scholars actually kind of call it it's like the John 3:16 of the Old Testament. It's it's quoted numerous times. But he quotes it to preach the character of God back to himself. And for us as well. So he's encouraging us to remember who God is. And who is he? Psalm 103.8. The Lord is merciful and gracious. He's slow to anger and he's abounding in steadfast love. The very first thing, the the thing that David was most impressed about with God was his steadfast love. Now, the English language is really frustrating. uh, Because we don't have enough words for love. Because I use the same word for love, loving my wife, as I do loving pizza, and they're not the same thing. (laughs) I love my wife a lot more than I love pizza, I promise. Um, I love my children a lot more than I love pizza. I love them unconditionally. That's what I'm called to do because that's God's love for me. That's what he calls me into. It's an unconditional loving relationship. My relationship with pizza is very conditional. If it's bad, I won't eat it. That being said, my bar is pretty low. Um, but, but the Hebrew language is a lot different than the English language. They have a lot of words for love. And the word that's used here, I want us to, to learn it together. When it says steadfast love, the word is chesed. It's a little bit like you're clearing your throat when you say chesed. Okay? This is a Hebrew word. And, and, the, and the type of love that is chesed love is a loyal love that is sacrificial compassionate pure this is not a romantic love this is not an admiring love even though they have words for both of those things that's not what this is when it says that he has steadfast love you think of we should think of um well there's a couple of examples in scripture one of them that, that might come to mind is if you know the story of ruth remember how ruth uh she was uh, married to an, an Israelite who had come into uh, uh, to Moab. She was a Moabite woman. Uh, her her uh, her husband dies, and her and her uh, what do you call that? Father in law dies, and all basically all the men die from a famine and sickness, and they're really weak. And uh, but Ruth, it says that she had love for her mother in law Naomi. And she, it says that she chesed Naomi. The only thing that, that, that Ruth was gonna get out of this relationship is maybe some companionship, but she had to take care of Naomi for the rest of her life, essentially. And so that type of love, that's, that's what we see. That was a major sidetrack, sorry. But, but, the, but the point is, is when God loves us, this is a parental love. And I say that with a, with a very strong caveat. I know a lot of you have horrible parents. You have horrible fathers who have been abusive, who have been unloving, who have been unfaithful. When at any time that scripture calls us to look at a fatherly love, I wanna encourage you, if it's anything but pure love, we have the wrong definition because we, we are broken. God isn't looking at us, he's not looking at me to figure out how to be a father, okay? Instead, he's been a father from all eternity past. And so we see this love, literally fathers, the reason why you exist, this is really a tall order, is to display the father love of God. And we fail at it, don't we? But this is who God is. He is steadfast and loyal. He's sacrificial and compassionate, pure. This is a pure love, a parent-like love. The father love of God is his chesed. Then in um, verses nine, 9 and 11, he says this. He goes on talking about that love, that pouring out, how, just how kind and compassionate he is. You want to know how, how faithful and compassionate he is? He will not chide. He will not keep his anger forever. He does not deal with us according to our sins. Can I get an amen? He does not, he does not deal with us according to our sins. The wages of sin is death. That's been clear from the beginning. And if you read the Old Testament start to finish, you get to chapter three, and if, you're not, and if you like give it its due, you're like, man, this story sucks so far. Like, there's no way. Like, he should have stopped this thing already. Like, We are. We, are it, we seem to be hell-bent on being unfaithful to God. We want our way, not his. But God is a God of steadfast love. This is who he is. And so he says he will not... He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniqu- according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is His steadfast chesed love towards those who fear Him. As high as the heavens are, how high is that, Ryan? How high is that? It's pretty high. It's pretty high. In case you hadn't checked, maybe you should go outside tonight and look at the stars. That's the greatest measurement that David could have possibly used. And he said that that's how high, that's how much God loves you. You feeling guilty this morning? You feeling the weight of your sin? Good, honestly, that's a good thing to have. That's a holy conviction. But you know what? God's love is higher. It's infinitely higher. His grace towards you, his love for you, he has poured out all of it on the cross. We're gonna get there in a second, but this is who our God is. And it, but it says, for those who fear him, Okay, so, there's, so it's conditional, and this is interesting to look at. The fear of the Lord, I'm going to let Pastor Will unpack that more one day, but just to give you an idea, whenever you hear the fear of the Lord, this is not saying that you should be afraid of God. What it's saying is that for unbelievers, their fear of the Lord is different than this fear of the Lord. Their fear of the Lord is, I am under condemnation. I know that I'm a sinner, even though we run from that truth. Scripture says that that's evident to everyone. It says it, it's not me. Um, and as, and, and they, they are under the condemnation of their sin. That's that type of fear. That's the first kind of fear. This, this type of fear is a different type of fear. This fear is a reverence. It's an understanding that he's my father. Why would I run from his love? How much he's poured out for me? He's cared for me all the days of my life. As he said earlier, he was recounting it earlier personally. His personal testimony is he's forgiven all your iniquities. He's healed all your diseases. He he rescued your life from the pit. He redeemed your life from death. He gives you good things and he satisfies you. That's what it means to fear him. So in verse 11 and 12, he, uh, he continues here. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love towards those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. Again, he uses an extreme measurement for this imagery to convey how immeasurable, just how immeasurable God's love is for us. And then what seems to be the crescendo of the song, he says in verses 13 and 14, I love how this this is put. As a father shows compassion to his children, a good father Remember, this is him being a good father. Just like that, a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. For he knows our frame, he remembers that we are dust. Now that word dust, whenever I first noticed that, it's a little bit like a gut punch, okay? It's really a a humbling thing to think that you're made from dust. You know, we we live in a, a society that's so saturated with self And self-love, self-affirmation, self-confidence, believe in yourself. But scripture says that we're dust. We're made from dust. What he's saying is he's remembering back in Genesis whenever he literally made Adam out of the dust. So he's remembering how he made him. He's reminding us that he made us. He's also remembering, though, something else that I think that we can gain a lot of hope from. Is that whenever it says that he knows our frame, he remembers that we're dust... What he's emphasizing here is he knows the effect of sin on his beloved he knows how it has broken us and he has compassion towards us in that which is unbelievable um my youngest uh roman and me uh and myself we were we were playing the other day and uh Let me just take a quick poll. I was talking with Parker about this earlier, and he said, never say that you were keeping your kids, okay? Women in the room, does that kind of like turn you off a little bit whenever I say I was keeping my kids? It's just the truth. And uh, because it's not that I wasn't caring. Of course, I was fathering them. I was trying to parent them. I was trying to be a good good dad. But what I mean whenever I say I'm keeping my kids is because I'm like kind of hopeless without my wife. And she was at Target, so it was an eternity. And it was, but we (laughs) endured. It was, we made it through. Um, but we were, we were at the house, and uh, me and Roman, and Roman, remember, Roman's like 15 months old, okay? He's just now walking, getting into everything, trying to break everything, and he, I'm laying on the couch, and uh, you know, like any good dad does whenever they're keeping the kids. <laughs> and uh, Roman comes up to me, and he sticks his finger out, and he sticks it right in my mouth and he just grabs my cheek as hard as he can and just pulls it i'm like oh man and he just starts cackling just dying laughing okay and he does it over and over again and it's just tickling him to death he just thinks that's the funniest thing um don't do that to me okay (laughs) i promise if i i I might turn the cheek one time but if you do that you're probably gonna get smacked okay because Nobody teaches, nobody disrespects me like that, okay? Not my own house. <laughs> but but the, thing, the thing about it is, is I'm going to have a much different response to you than I do my own son. Because my son, I know that he's clumsy and immature. He's 15 months old. So instead of responding out of the disrespect that I feel, what do I do? I actually respond with a compassion because I know his frame. I wouldn't dare lay a hand on my child because he's 15 months old. He couldn't handle it. God views us that way. His compassion towards us is he doesn't give us what we deserve because we can't handle it and we're his. Like, so his compassion, it, it is so great. But we're like Roman. I would say that the most reverent worshiper on the planet, when we, were, when we, when we worship the Lord, we live our lives way more like Roman than we do anything else. Uh, even at our best, most reverent moment, I still feel like I'm just like, like pulling on God's beard or something. Just like I feel stupid whenever I think about it because I know that deep down I don't really know how holy He is. I don't know really how to how to treat Him. But in His grace, <laughs> He accepts me like a father accepts his children. He's compassionate. He's merciful and gracious. He's steadfast in His love and kindness. Amen. He, he then goes on in 15 through 19. I probably need to hurry. I'm a little behind. But as for man, his days are like grass. He, fl- he flourishes like a flower of the field and for, for the wind passes over it and it's gone. His place knows it no more. He's basically just saying, you're going to die one day. There will be an end of our days here on earth. But then he contrasts it and he says, but the steadfast, the said love of the Lord It's from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him, those who revere him, those who love him and his righteousness to children's children, to those who keep his covenant and remember to do his commandments. The Lord has established his throne in the heavens and his kingdom rules over all. So that's what he wants us to remember. He wants us at the very end, you can see he says, hey, remember to do his commandments. Remember to keep the covenant his his love will be upon you now i got a couple of things i want to say here i think and hopefully i can say this right should we keep god's commandments and honor him absolutely please don't hear me say that that you know for grace to abound as paul says like we should just sin all the more just so that grace abounds right that's not what it that's not what i'm saying but i am going to say this that that what David says is he's calling us into this lifestyle. But if you read the rest of scripture, it's very clear that the Israelites do not keep the covenant and they do not keep his commandments. And nor do I. So what hope do we have? We've seen what to, re- to remember, but we often forget. So how in the world do we get back to it? How do we return to what we've forgotten? I, uh, my two uh, oldest daughters, uh, Olivia and Nora, are wonderful, they're best friends, and, um, but they're very different, they're wired very different. Um, one time we were out after it had rained and there were worms all over the driveway, you know how that kind of happens? It's weird. Me and Livia are outside and we're just picking up these huge earthworms and they're pretty cool. And Nora's out there and I'm like, hey Nora, do you want to do this? And she's like, no, I'm okay. Um, we go inside. And Livy's like, mom, mom, look at this picture of this amazing huge worm that I caught. That's awesome. Gracie's like, wow, that's awesome. Nora, did you pick up any worms? And Nora, like this is the best one-liner one of all time. She said, "Um, Livy's more of a worm girl. I'm more of a fancy sugar girl. <laughs> Epic. So, so that's Nora. Um, she, she definitely is our, our more... A little bit more dramatic child and she's, she's wonderful and beautiful and on the front row right now. And, uh, she's my sugar bear, but, but Nora, Livvy, Livy is, uh, she's seven. So she's been my daughter for longer than Nora. And, uh <laughs> Livvy's wired a little different. She needs about one hug a day, maybe two. And she's good. Nora, on the other hand, needs about 15 hugs before breakfast. Right, Nora? <laughs> yeah. She's a hugger. She loves some, uh, she got a shirt that says, uh, what does it say? Chicken nugs and mama hugs? Yeah, that's her. <laughs> All day. Um, but, but Nora, uh, she, she, we have this routine in the morning that before I leave, I have to hug her a certain number of times. She has to meet me at the door and give me a kiss and say, I love you. And then she locks the door. She loves doing that. Heaven forbid I have to use my Apple AirTag and go back inside to get anything because I have to start the whole thing over again. Um, and it's wonderful. Um, but, but one time, one day, a couple of uh, weeks ago, she ends by looking, she was down on her knees and she, she grabbed me by the face. I had to bend over. She grabbed me by the face and she looked at me and she said, daddy, do you love me? And I just, oh, my heart just melted. I was like, oh, of course I love you, baby. Of course I love you. Why, why would you ask me that? I tell you all the time. Like, of course I love you. She said, I just forgot. And I wonder if we're a little bit like that. I know I am. And I need to walk with my father a little bit more maybe to know and remember just how much he loves me. And that will come with time. But let me ask you a question. When Nora forgets that I love her, does that... Has my love changed at all? No. See, on your on your best day, you're going to wake up maybe tomorrow morning, and through the heartbeat of what David is asking us to do, the first thing that's going to come to mind is you're going to remember the Lord. You're going to remember the gospel. You're going to preach it over your soul. You're going to stir your affection for Christ again. You're going to you're going to rest in His goodness. That's on your best days. But if you're anything like me, you're going to forget. But on the day that you forget, it says that he remembers us. He remembers our frame and he knows that we're dust. He knows that we will forget. So this type of love is who God is. This is what he wants us to know. And he proved that love that he would not forget us, that he would not abandon his people, that he went so far to show his great love for us That not only did he keep his end of the covenant, but he kept ours as well. Because the Israelites didn't, and neither do we. He sent his only son. He sent him in the likeness of of sinful flesh, yet without sin. He didn't sin, but he put on flesh and bone, as we just talked about. Walking in the dirt with you and me. He knows what living is. He's acquainted with our grief. A man of sorrows, son of suffering. And he proved to us just how deep his love is, just how great his love is. Ephesians 2 says this, and you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air and the spirit that's now at work in the sons of disobedience and among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and we're by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. And then it says something so beautiful. This uh, Scholars call this, this uh, these two words, the divine prerogative. But God. He didn't have to. But God, being rich in mercy... The word mercy here. Whenever, whenever the New Testament was, uh, w- whenever the Old Testament was translated into the Greek from Hebrew, when they got to the word hesed, they translated it. That, that that steadfast love of God, they translated it with the Greek word elios. Elios, we translate too often as just mercy, but sometimes we think about mercy in a little bit of a different way. But what it's saying here is, but God being rich in has said his steadfast love his loyal love that fathering love that compassionate love that's willing to sacrifice to go to any length to show us how much he loves us to keep up both ends of the covenant because of this because of the great love with which he loved us because of him and who he is just how great he is even when we were dead in our trespasses he made us alive together with christ by grace you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. You have a new name. If you are in Christ, there is no longer any condemnation for you. You have nothing to fear. You're whole. He has made you a new creation. As high as the heavens are above the earth, that's how great his love is. And now positionally, even though we don't feel it yet, we are seated with him in heavenly places, it said. So that he did all this, so that In the coming ages, he might show the immeasurable riches. How immeasurable? As high as the heavens are above the earth. As far as the east is from the west. That's how immeasurable. The riches of his grace, pouring out this undeserved kindness of God. He pours out this kindness to us, this grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace, you've been saved through faith. And this is not of your own doing. It is the gift of God. Not a result of works so that no one can boast. I want to ask the band to come back up and I'm going to wrap up here pretty soon. Um, If you don't know Christ this morning and you hear me say these things, my hope is that even if you don't believe this yet, believe me whenever I say that I know that I'm no better. I don't think I'm any higher. I'm not any, any more holy than anyone else. We as the church, the gospel should humble us. We should be the most humble people of all the people on the planet. Because it's not because of how great we are, right? It's not because of anything that was within me. It's because of God's, as said, his steadfast love, his faithfulness, because of his character, him being who he is. He is the one who chose to love us in Christ. And so I have nothing to boast in except Christ alone. And so every morning, how do I return? How do we return when we forget? We remember the gospel. That's why we say it every single Sunday whenever we're here. We're saying, we're here to remember the gospel. I'm sorry if you're sick of it, okay? Hopefully, you hear it enough to where then you're not sick of it again because the the gospel is the power of God into salvation to everyone who believes. And And more than that, the gospel is also sufficient for not just our salvation, it's our sanctification too because what did Jesus say? The Pharisees asked him, they said, how do we do the works of God? What should we be doing with our lives? And what Jesus said, he said, believe in the one whom he sent. That seems really simple, Jesus, really simple. There's gotta be something else I gotta do every day. Believe in the one whom he sent, that's all. I would venture to say that if you unpack every one of those words and with all that is within you, as David is encouraging us to do, not just with your mouth, not just profession, although that's important, profess, use your mouth to bless the Lord. But if with everything within us, as we grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus, as all of that comes in alignment and begins to bless the Lord, that's whenever our lives actually resemble what he's wanting to work in and through us, that the Holy Spirit is sanctifying us. He's making us into the likeness of him. But on our days, whenever we remember, that's wonderful. But when we forget, he does not forget us. Don't forget that church. I know too often whenever I was walking with the Lord, even now, when I sin, the, the number one lie that, that Satan wants to tell me is on the front end before sin, I tell, I tell guys that I'm walking uh, with in discipleship this a lot, is that before you sin, at the moment of temptation, he likes to tell you, hey, everybody does this. It's not that big a deal. He, and, he, and it's a lie. It's a half truth. Everyone is doing it, but it is a big deal. And then, at, and then as soon as you succumb to whatever the temptation is, I don't care what it is, maybe it's lust, maybe it's pride, Anger, it's covetousness, forgetting who God is. Like, whenever we do sin, then He says, "Oh, that's so bad. Nobody does that. Don't tell anybody." Both of those are lies. The truth is that yes, we are prone to sin. The truth is 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 also that when we sin, we have a great High Priest. He's not able to sympathize, uh, not unable to sympathize with us in our weakness, but one whom in every way was tempted just as we are, and yet he was without sin. And so now he's interceding for us. So now, with boldness, when we remember, we return immediately. We can go right back to the throne of grace and say, Father, forgive me. And I know that, and I trust that you have. You hear me and you love me. I want to be living that kind of life that remembers the gospel every morning and every, every moment of every day. Fathers, do this. Remember the gospel. Teach your children to remember the gospel. Confess your sins to your children when you wrong them. Let them know, let them know that you are just as in need of a savior as they are. I want us to be a people. I, I pray that we become a people that remember and return constantly. But it's not in that, that is not what saves us. It is Christ who saves us. And he's the one who's working within us. He is the one who will perfect it until the day of salvation. When we see him face to face and we're glorified and and we don't struggle anymore. Amen? Amen. So bless the Lord, my soul. All that's within me. Remember who he is. Remember his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all of his benefits, who forgives your iniquity, who heals your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with steadfast love and mercy, who satisfies you with good so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Father, I pray. I pray thank you, first of all. Thank you that you hear me even now. Thank you that your word is living and active. It will not return void. Father, I pray pray that as we forget the gospel, would you remind us? Would we be a people that are quick to remember your great love, but our hope is not in our remembering. Our hope is in you. Thank you, Father, for your church. As we open our mouths to declare your praise again together, I pray, Lord, that you would work in all the ways that you do. Help us to listen to you. We love you. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.
1: Beautiful service this morning. Yes. I love that we're able to reflect on the steadfast love of the Lord. Um, my name is Whitney Clay, and this is Renee Armstrong. Hello, and we're so glad to be joining you today for Church at Home. We want to say welcome. We're so glad that you're here, and that we get to be a part of this discussion together as we dive into what the Lord is really teaching us. Um, and it was amazing today to have such great worship, and then to hear yes. from Pastor
2: Tyler. someone I know don't get to hear somebody from. that we don't hear from as often. Yeah, this was really really good. And then Renee, we got to hear a little bit from you, but we're yes. glad that you and the team are back from Peru. Yes, we all made it back on Monday. It was traveling was a booger but we True. made it there and we made it back there might be some people who are traveling
1: right now watching us I'm sure with you that, understand so. <laughs> but it's so cool to hear what the Lord did and we want to thank you guys so much for praying for the team coming by yes. us in prayer and supporting them and so so cool that y'all are back and we got to hear a little bit about that yes um, and then we got to dive into Psalms 103 and mm. I love that we got to hear um, just the things the Lord has been teaching Tyler and then for us to be able to reflect on it. So we want to just discuss that with you guys. Um, Stephen's moderating today. He's sitting right over here. And so chat with him, talk with him, let him know something maybe that stood out to you or yes. something the Lord's teaching you that you haven't heard before as you read this psalm with us today. Mm. And then um, right above Renee's head, kind of in the corner, is the <laughs> QR code. So if you pull out your phone, hold up your camera, um, you can tap on the little link that pops up, fill that out, and let us know that you're watching, that you're participating in church at home. I love that's like one of my favorite things when people reach out and say I'm doing church at home. Yes, I get to hear from them, resource them. It's so cool. Well,
2: and it's it's the beginning of a of a relationship. So if any of you all have heard from you know I'm all about relationships. So. <laughs> yes,
1: and so and if you don't want to fill out the QR code or you can't figure out how that works, just tell Stephen. Tell him where you're watching from. Mm-hmm. We'd love to be able to follow up with you and and get you more resources yes. and connect with you. Um, but let's talk today kind of about what stood out to us. What what, you, what stood out to you, Renee? I'm going to pull my notes up here.
2: Oh, yes. I mean, I loved um, at the very beginning, he just says, bless the Lord. And then he stops mm-hmm. and he goes through what he is saying here, what yeah. David is trying to express. Not that we are bringing anything to the Lord that right. we could give anything um, that he needs, but it's it's a command to himself a reminder to himself to open his mouth and declare the glory of the lord i really thought yeah i loved how it just started with that
1: i like that too and i liked how he said that all the the works of god declare his praise Mm. but we as his creation get to bless his name like that's a special thing that we get to do to like bless the lord Mm -hmm. and to bless his name and to bless the lord oh my soul and how he said, even when we don't feel like it, like David's kind of commanding his soul, calling his soul out. Yes. That's a good reminder for me. You know? Yes. Because we may not always feel like it. <laughs> we don't
2: always feel like it. And it's one of those, um, well, it goes back to just what is it that you're forgetting? Mm-hmm. And sometimes you just got to, you just have to do it, whether you feel feel yeah. like it or not. Um, But I love that when we do that, I do think the Lord honors that obedience um, and starts to change our heart and our desire. Yeah. Uh, One of the questions
1: Tyler gave us for today that they're going to come up at the end for you guys to spend time reflecting on, but we kind of wanted to talk about Mm -hmm. today is um, what do you forget most about God?
2: (laughs) (laughs) For me, it's... (laughs) that he's in control and i am not yeah yeah <laughs> i i can very quickly jump back into trying to do mm-hmm. for the lord instead of resting in the yeah. fact that it's already been done um, so for me, it's that control piece. Yeah,
1: I um, I was going to say the thing that I probably need most from the Lord <laughs> is the thing I forget. And it's that very same thing, yeah. like just that He's in control, that He has a plan. And mm-hmm. I love that Tyler said, the more we spend time with the Lord, yes. then the more we know Him and we're able to remember His character and call to mind those things that we need to bless, you yes. know, and call out yes. and praise the Lord for. <laughs> and, you know, even thinking about that, I'm reminded that all of our days are written in his book. Like exactly. he goes before us. He knows. And when I can remember those things, mm-hmm. then the things I'm anxious about and worried about, I can give over to him. Exactly. And rest in. But how quickly am I to, to come to scripture and to read it and then turn around and forget? Because yes. I'm not reminding myself. I'm trying to
2: gather all my things back into me. Yes. Um, within moments. Which it just shows you how forgetful we are. <laughs> <It> really, really, <laughs> we are, are forgetful little sinners. <laughs> yes, it
1: can be a moment, like mm-hmm. just like you
2: said. Um, what do you think
1: helps you remember the Lord? Like, what helps you call to mind the gospel yes. and remind
2: yourself of the gospel? I think it all starts with this. It all starts here in mm-hmm. His Scripture and His words. Yeah. Um, just taking the time to spend time with Him. Mm-hmm. Um. I've actually read through Psalms, it's been a few years, and one of the things I did learn through this um, was the importance of kind of rehearsing or reminding yourself Mm -hmm. of the character of God, of the promises, of of His promises, Um, not just in Scripture, but to me as well. Yeah. Yeah. so, I know that's been a pattern for me, um and it's been very helpful. And then the other is community, yeah, you know, surrounding yourself. Um, you know, of course, we are to to build relationships. But the core group that I have around me, those are the people who mm. are reminding me.
1: Yeah.
2: Hey, I think you've forgotten the gospel in this area. <laughs> They're holding me accountable. They're calling to mind or reminding yeah. me constantly of it's not about you, girl. <laughs> right.
1: Yeah. And you know, I'm big on community. And I, yes. but that is the beautiful piece of it, right? That we mm-hmm. can in love and speak the truth yes. in love and call those things because we're all working toward the same goal. We yes. all want to be more like Christ. We want to mm-hmm. walk closer with him. And so I love that. That's a beautiful picture of yeah. that. Um, I think for me, like when I spend time with the Lord and I can quickly walk away and forget, it's mm-hmm. trying to remember it throughout the day. And so sometimes yeah. I'll take it and write it on like a post-it mm-hmm. note, like um, maybe a characteristic of the Lord that stood out to me, or even a verse. Like I'll just copy the verse word yes. for word and just stick it. I usually stick it on my laptop so I can see it as I'm working throughout the day. And I'm like, yes, I need to remember this about God or mm-hmm. I need to remember that He says this, like that He's done this, that He's declared <laughs> this
2: so that I can rest in it and not feel like I have to strive Yes. <laughs> things. I, I know <laughs> I'm laughing because I've got a sticky on my laptop that's been there for probably about eight months and I don't feel like I can take it off yet. It's like <laughs> I still need this reminder. <laughs> so I don't know what that says about me, but no, we do. it's a reminder that I need that yeah. God is not said I could move on from yet. <laughs> I've
1: started trying to, like as a parent, to try to, I feel like our kids mm-hmm. see a lot of the, they watch us, right? They watch everything yes. we do. And so I've tried to even like emulate that for them. Yeah. Like this is the importance of spending time in God's word. And so I've written some verses on their mirror, like in the bathroom yes. before, so that oh, when I they get that. up, they mm-hmm. can see it. And I don't always do that, but it's like, okay, if I can put this in front of them, mm-hmm. I want it to be not just something that they read and walk away from either.
0: Like exactly. this is this is the word
1: of life and it, it is alive this is the word is living and yes. active, sharper than any two-edged sword. And so it speaks about Jesus and speaks truth. Mm-hmm. And we need to be spending time with it and remembering it, <laughs> remembering <Yes>. the gospel. <laughs> yeah, not just reading it and walking away. But yes. So maybe there's some practical things in your own walk that you've done to remember mm-hmm. the gospel. Maybe it's a post-it note or writing it on a mirror or sticking it in your car. I had a friend that used to stick post-it yes. notes, you know, on her car, Dash. What have you done um, to remember the gospel? Maybe share that in the chat. Share that with Stephen. Because mm-hmm. there might be someone else out there who's like, Guilty, just like us, yes. of reading and it and walking to away. Yes, you hear it. Yes, yeah, so share your ideas. Or if you have a story of getting in community or a Bible study, something else that you've done mm-hmm. where the Lord's really been able to remind you of His faithfulness, yeah. share that because we want to encourage one another in mm-hmm. that today. Um, and then we, we jumped over to Ephesians. Um, chapter 2, which was really, really good. And I love how Tyler um, had the psalm, but he went back to Exodus, and then he jumped over to Ephesians kind of showing us the picture of the gospel Mm -hmm. throughout Scripture as well. Um, Do you want to read that, Renee? Yeah, that'd be great.
2: Um, So Ephesians chapter 2, we're going to read through verses 1 through 10. Love, but God. Yeah, <laughs> I love how he emphasizes. I know, that but God, <laughs> being rich in mercy, because of the great love which He loved us, mm-hmm. even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised. Uh, whoops, sorry. By grace you have been saved and raised us up with Him and seated us with Him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus And freeing because it's like there's nothing we can do. There's nothing we can do. We were dead. Yeah, we are dead. (laughs) It was all God, and like, um, what's the word, instigated? Yeah. God instigated it all, not us. (laughs) Yeah, He came after us. And I love,
1: um, I wrote this down. Tyler said, whether we remember or forget God's love, it doesn't Mm. change His love toward Mm. us. So the days that I forget, God is still faithful in his steadfast love the days that I remember God's still faithful in his steadfast love and it's nothing that I can do yeah um, nothing that I can do but it's all him in his grace and in his kindness and his steadfast mm-hmm. love came after us and it's just so beautiful and I love too he reminded us that the gospel's saving power isn't in our ability to remember it like we don't no. even have to remember or comprehend it fully in order to to have it, exactly. he's given it to us. And um, it's not in what we do, nope. but it's in what's been done. It's in who did it and that was Jesus Christ. Yes. And so today um, we've heard a beautiful explanation of the gospel mm-hmm. and for you today, maybe you've realized that you have sin that separates you from God but that God in his love came after you and that he wants that relationship with you and that you don't have to clean yourself up. There's nothing you can do other yeah. than accept it. And so today if that's you we'd love to begin a conversation with you about what it means to know Jesus. If And Tyler talked about that we would love to continue that to help you trust in him and to know him personally as your Lord and Savior. And so if that's you today chat with Stephen or fill out this QR code we'll get in touch with you. We would love that there's no greater joy yes. than to get to walk with someone as they come to know jesus and so we'd love to help you do that today um so if that's you reach out if you have a prayer request the same thing you can tell stephen or follow up the qr code Mm -hmm. and um, renee is part of that prayer team and they faithfully (laughs) pray y'all do that every week pray over those prayer requests so we would love for you to send those to us as well so that we can pray for you Mm -hmm. Um, but we love you guys there's a lot of resources online too at hype so check that out and if you're in the area We'd love to have you us. us. (laughs) Yeah, come to our East Memphis or Collierville campus at 9 and 11. And if not, we would love to continue to partner with you as you do church at home Mm -hmm. to resource you and to help you continue these conversations right where you are. So the questions are gonna pop up so you guys can spend some time together discussing those. And we'll see you right here next Sunday.